0: anointing of Aaron as precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments you see these words precious and ointment indicate that it was not just your average olive oil that was being used but these were pure oils such as those used in the holy anointing oil the Hebrew word for anoint is masach, which means to smear, spread, or massage. And in some cases, it means to pour oil over the head or body. It shares the same root word as Messiah, Mashiach, meaning the anointed one. In the New Testament, the Greek word Christos, or Christ, means anointed one and is used 361 times. Now, you may see other phrases or words used in scriptures such as anointing oil ointment spices incense perfumes odors sweet savors aromas and fragrances these are all implying that essentials were used the sacred act of anointing is mentioned 156 times in the bible the hebrew word for anointing is shemen which means fat oil or fatness or olive oil in isaiah 10:27 it says And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. It is the oil that breaks the yoke, not simply the act of anointing.
1: Well, God bless you. Welcome to Prophetic Whispers. This is Elias Flores coming to you once again. And we are going to be discussing anointed to heal. And we're going to be dealing with the topic of anointing and bringing the theological structure. Where did where did this anoint anointing uh, process come from? And uh, so we're going to take a deep dive, a deep look into this. Then we're going to look at John G. Lake, um, which really illustrates a... A, a Old Testament New Testament what i mean by that is by the tangibleness the pouring out of you know the pouring over the covering and also the protective portion and also the power that comes from an anointing and so we da- we're going to look at scripture we're going to look at Deuteronomy we're going to look at uh, uh, Genesis we're going to look at Exodus we're going to look we're going to look at uh, some of the origins and then we're going to pull it through and um, uh, get into the New Testament on anointing and um, everything. So what we want to do is, number one, what is the intention of the anointing? Okay, what we're going to find out, the intentions of the anointing is to elevate. See, the anointing or the word anointed, anoint, anointing, anointed, um, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a, Post-Adamic thing. In other words, when Adam fell in the garden, anointing was need, needed and necessary. Adam walked in the glory realm. Our glory was the place for all have sin and fallen short of the glory of God. So we know that sin dropped us from the glory. Okay? Dropped us from the glory realm or the realm of the glorious. That's what the fall of man did. Okay, and so now you have anointing that's introduced. You find that introduced in Genesis thirty-one thirteen, where, where, um, where you have Jacob that anointed a rock. Okay, he anointed a rock okay Genesis 31: 13 uh, it says uh, this is the Bethel you know I am the god of Bethel where you anointed the pillar where you made a vow to me so here I want you to understand that the oil that was poured on the word anoint one of one of the processes to anointing is to make sacred or separate or to belong to okay and then what what does the scripture say here in Genesis chapter 31 verse 13 is he made a vow a commitment a covenant okay he said some things to god so here you have times of anointing times where where things are very special and you oil them or you make those sacred 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 moments if you will that uh, you speak to God in ways you never would speak to anyone else those are sacred moment or times of anointing you find that here in Genesis 31 13 so we get this idea that anointing or oil okay oil and this is this is what is real interesting about this oil um, this anointing oil uh Well you realize that in Deuteronomy 28, 40, okay, God wanted oil on everything, around everything. Okay, so this is what this is what God said. Okay, you shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourselves with oil, for your olives shall drop off. Okay, so again, where should all the oil olive trees be? All over your territories, okay, all over the territory. Okay? For the purpose. Okay? But for what purpose? We're going to get into what the anointing is used for. Okay? Exodus 28, 41. Okay? It's used for anointing people. Okay? So, you shall put on, on Aaron, your brother, and on your sons with him. You shall anoint them, consecrate them. So, anointing consecrates them. Anointing consecrates them. Or, what I'll put, I'll, I'll I'll jump ahead. Anointing elevates you. Okay, you know we have this practice. Um, we have this practice in our Christian faith that when we buy a new car, okay, we buy a new car, we anoint it with oil. When you buy a new house, you anoint it with oil. That's a common practice um, among among believers. When you get something new, it comes into your family. You anoint it. Okay, but what does that anointing do according to a biblical perspective? What that car does when you anoint a car, it now makes it worthy. It now makes it worthy to be in your family, and now makes it worthy to carry the family of God. Now it now it is worthy to do this. You anoint it and you bring it up a level. Okay, you, you make it sacred to your family. You make it sacred to God. You separate it towards towards the things of God. Okay that's what the only, you do that with your house you anoint your house you put you know you put oil on the door you put oil on the on the hallways you pray in every room and you put oil in every you know I have I have a painter friend of mine that that put oil in all the paint that uh, olive oil and all the paint that we, we have throughout the house for anointing purposes. What do we do? We make the house worthy to house the glory of God. We make the house worthy, okay, and I'm going to show this to you. We make the house worthy to, to house or to uh, make the house worthy to host the people of God. We are people of God. You are, you are a man and woman of God. Okay, that's a higher elevated posture to live under that we are anointed. Okay, that we are anointed. Okay, so again, we look at anointing that sec that, that separates people, you know, um, like the sons of Aaron, that they were that they were separated. And they were sanctified, they were consecrated because of the anointing. Okay? The anointing does something to you. The anointing does something to you. That's one thing that that people think that it's just anointed for service. But yes, you are empowered to do, but you are also empowered to become. Okay? You're empowered to become. The anointing empowers you to become more like God, to become. Godly and to live a sanctified, separated life. In First Samuel chapter nine, verse sixteen, we see the anointing. Okay, the anointing. This word "anoint" is used for anointing a king. Samuel did this. Okay, Samuel was the was was the king maker. Okay, First uh, Samuel chapter nineteen, verse sixteen. Okay, Saul. Uh, uh, this is Saul. Tomorrow, about this time, I will send you a man from the land, and. Um, and you shall anoint him commander over people of Israel, over the people of Israel. That he may save my people from the land of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because of their cries unto me. So what what I want to show you here is now you have anointing for purpose. Anointing for purpose. Now Saul did not consecrate himself. There's things that Saul did not do. There are things that Saul uh, was unrepented of. Okay, Saul wanted to play the game. Okay, Saul didn't want to be in the game. He just wanted to look like he was. And so Saul got exposed. Okay. Saul got exposed, so you know the story, okay? So Saul went through the process of anointing, but here you have somebody um, that was supposed to deliver the people, but he didn't do that, okay? He did not do that. 1 Samuel 16, verse 9. So when Saul didn't do that, guess what God did? He didn't stop the process. He did not stop the process of anointing just because one person failed, okay? Listen, look at uh, 16 verse 9. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. Listen, he anointed him. He anointed David. He poured a whole horn of oil on David. Okay? And anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So now you have the outpouring of oil. And you have the infusing or the or the symbolic uh um, idea that the spirit of God and oil work together. The spirit of God and oil work together. Okay, David was never the same after that. He killed the lion and the bear. After after that, he killed Goliath. After that, um, he supernaturally uh, became a, a general. He he did some amazing things. Okay, because of the anointing, because of the unction on his life. So here you have. Here you have uh, the anointing and the spirit of God, the empowerment, okay? The purpose is revealed in the anointing, why he was anointed. Saul, the same thing. Saul was anointed to deliver the people, but he didn't do that, okay? He, he worked against the anointing and the purposes of God, okay? So, when you start looking at the anointing, you must look at consecration. You must look at separation. You must look at purpose, Okay, and and you also must look at empowerment for purpose. That's what the anointing is for. Okay, so Exodus. So let's regress a little bit and look at some of the origins of where you begin to see anointing, anointing things. Okay, some people again. This is where this is where um, sloppy Christianity really um, falls falls to the wayside, okay, doing things the way you want to do them, offering unto God what you want to offer unto God, you know, uh, being sloppy in what we do, and just because we're gifted doesn't mean you're anointed, okay, watch Exodus 40 verse 9, and you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that's in it, in other words, the things that are going to be Towards God must be anointed. You can't offer God just anything. He's not going to take a labor that's that's not that's not sanctified and consecrated and anointed. He's not going to he's going to not going to take a candlestick. He's not going to take um, the labor. He's not going to take any of the 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 tabernacle utensils used for service and use them if they have not been anointed. Watch this. Anoint the tabernacle and all that's in it, and you shall hollow it and all its utensils and it shall be holy okay separated separate so anointing anointing elevates you to be separate okay it's an elevation okay to be a child of god means to be born from above that means that we are we are we are elevated our second birth is an elevated birth Okay, you shall anoint the altar and the burnt offerings and all its utensils and consecrate the altar. The altar shall be the most holy, and you shall anoint the labor and its base and consecrate it. So here you have the idea of why you consecrate your house, why you anoint your car, why you, to elevate it for the service of the kingdom of God. Okay, we always acknowledge God. So anointing things is a practice. Throughout history, now even the even the uh, the shepherds. In, in in the primitive time of of, of Abraham and and that their sheep would 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 be anointed with oil, okay, to protect them from insects, to protect them from to protect them from um, all types of lice and, and and bugs getting into their ears and their nose and their eyes. So what they would do is they would anoint them or they would pour oil on the sheep so that the sheep would be protected from pests. That's what the anointing does, and this is what I want to show you as we keep moving on. The anointing not only is for consecration, separation, for empowerment, but it's also for protection. Okay? It's also for protection. Psalms 89 51 says, Then uh, the taunts which, uh, which your enemies, Lord, have mocked. Um, Lord, have mocked. Which they have mocked every step of your anointed ones. So the protection is for against the mockers. Again, when you're anointed, you're gonna get people that are gonna mock you. It, it's again, it's protection. Okay? Okay. James chapter 5 verse 14. Okay, it's protection for the healing. Lay hands on the sick, anoint them with oil, call the elders and pray. Why? Because the anointing protects. The anointing protects. So again, now we have, we see that utensils, cars, things that are going to be used in the family of God must be anointed. Must be anointed and can be anointed, elevated to the purposes of the kingdom. Okay? Your house, anoint the house, elevate. It elevates it, it consecrates it, it separates it. Things you shouldn't watch, things you shouldn't do, things you shouldn't see, things that all are part of consecration. Places you shouldn't go in your car, things you shouldn't do in your car, all that is consecration. All that is because the car is anointed. The car has has a purpose now, and that is to service the things of God. Okay, not not just anybody, not just anybody can do what we do. This is the this is what um, what we will call the um, um, uh, the exclusivity. Okay, you just can't do everything. It's exclusive. Christianity is exclusive. The anointed is exclusive. The minute you have, the minute you have, uh, consecration, that's exclusive. That means, uh, turning back on certain things and clinging to other things. No man can serve two masters. That's consecration. That's the language of consecration. That's the language of commitment. Okay, so when you start looking at anointing in its purest forms and its theological construct, you are looking at elevating things and elevating people. The anointing lifts you up for service, empowers you for service. The anointing is for your purpose. Okay, the anointing is for your empowerment. The anointing is for people and things. People and things, so God will anoint, will 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 anoint um, a person. People anoint things. In other words, we anoint our cars. We dedicate them towards God. We anoint our relationships. We commit them towards God. We, we anoint our homes where we live. We anoint those things and we give them to God. Those are practical things that we do to see the elevated portion of anointing. What the oil does, what it represents. Okay, then you see in the life of Saul that had was anointed king, wasted it, wasted it. He didn't deliver Israel like he should have done, and he was removed. The anointing was lifted from him. The Spirit of God was lifted from him. Then you have David, that's the complete opposite. Okay, David lived completely opposite from uh From Saul. Okay, that's a different story for a different time. I'm just giving you the construct. Then you have the elements, the utensils in the tabernacle where the glory of God was going to come. That's why God made the tabernacle so that he could visit the people, so he could be with the people. But he wasn't going to come on their terms, he was coming on his terms. Everything in that tabernacle needs to be anointed or get it out of there. I'm not coming. I'm not coming if it's not anointed. It's not worthy to be in my presence. So the anointing causes worthiness of things to be in the kingdom of God. Or to... Be in the service of God again. So sloppy Christianity goes right out the window when you start talking about anointing. Okay, not giftedness. That's that's why you have a lot of Christians that that are gifted. They're on TV, and then you find out they they, they got a they got a, a messed up personal life, or they're not doing things well, or or they have all this shady stuff going on. I can go down the list, and that's not to condemn, but that's just to ju- that's just to that's just to um. Point out the fact that there's giftedness and then there's anointing. Okay, there's giftedness. This is like Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine Kuhlman was anointed to heal. But, you know, if you listen to her speak, you probably go to sleep. But when the anointing to heal fell upon, All Roberts was anointed to heal. Okay, we're going to talk about John G. Lake towards the end because his story about the anointing on his life and how he walked in the, the practicals of the anointing, how he walked in the the, what I would call the pouring of the anointing, okay, is very important for us to understand. Because we're living in the pandemic where there's no tangible anointing anywhere. Everybody's bowed their knee, put their mask on, afraid, and, and, and just bow down to this thing. Instead of standing up and saying, no, we're anointed, we are protected, we we have a coat of protection around us. You know we have a coat of protection around us. Our eyes are protected. Our ears are protected. Our coat is protected from lice and fleas and the pestilence of the day. We got Psalms 91. We got all kinds of scripture to support that, but nobody's believing it. We just bow down, and I know there are many Christians that have passed because of this COVID. That's that's a theological. That's a theological. Um, Issue is how we believe. Now you look at Isaiah sixty-one. Now one through seven. Okay, this is this is anointing and action, anointing and purpose, anointing. This is important. Okay, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. Okay, remember what was it? To smear, to pour, to rub, to preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim. Uh, "...liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of the vengeance of God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes." the oil of the joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So here you begin to see that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Isaiah 61. This is a messianic because this is for the Messiah. This is the messianic anointing. He is the anointed one so that we could be the benefactors and be anointed by him. He's the one. We are the, we are the benefactors of his anointing. That's Luke chapter 4 is combined with that. And he opened the scriptures open to Isaiah and he read this verse. Okay. So when you start looking at the anointing, you look at the anointing for the purpose. Okay. What was the purpose? Well, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. The great preacher Peter uses the example. And he says how God anointed. How he poured out. How he rubbed. How this anointing fell on him. Poured on him. Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. So again, just like David. Don't forget, thou son of David. Just like David, there was anointing and then there there is the move of the spirit anointing and the move of the spirit this is why this is why it's important to always have the move of the spirit in connectivity with the anointing then it's biblical then it's theological okay the anointing and the holy spirit work together okay watch this it says um, how the holy spirit with uh, with spirit and with power Who went about doing good, healing all those who were vexed and oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on the tree. Again, very important to understand how how Peter locks this all together together anointed of the spirit, destroy the ultimate purpose pun you see Isaiah 61 all all manifested in this destroying the works of the devil. Jesus came and the anointing what does it do it undoes, unties, sets free, takes you out of oppression. that's what that word that's what that word um, destroy is okay That's what that word means. That he came to destroy the works in them. That's, that's in John. The, the, the epistle of John. But Acts chapter uh, 10, 38, 39. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. So again... Again, he went around doing good. Why? Because it it shows purpose. It shows power. It it shows. So don't separate the two. So when you start looking at the real anointing in life, when you start looking at the anointing in life, you have to have the move of the Spirit along with it. It's demonstrated in David and it's demonstrated in Jesus. Okay? Paul. Paul uh, speaks of the anointing. Okay. John speaks of the anointing. We're, we'll get into this. Okay, Now, again, anointing is for purpose. If you have no purpose, there's no need for anointing. Watch this. Isaiah 28, 27 says, It shall come to pass that in the day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulders, and the yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. What destroys yokes? What destroys burdens? The anointing breaks the, anoint, the the sickness. The anointing does these things. Because there's purpose. There's design. Okay? But see, again, don't get caught up in just design. You have to get caught up In power, consecration, the the details that cause the design to function correctly. It's the details. Many, many will say, Lord, I healed in your name. Lord, I did. What? But they missed the details of intimacy. Turn off your floor. I knew you not. Again. Being gifted for something is different than being anointed. Anointed has the process of consecration. Anointing has the process of commitment, making vows. Anointing has the process of becoming selfless and becoming full of God, being holy, becoming more like God. Godliness takes the place of many of these intentions, not enrichment. Not enrichment, but godliness. Enrichment means by becoming famous. You know, the day we live in now that, you know, you have so many followers because you have signs and wonders. Well, you know what? Be careful. Anointing is totally different than giftedness. Giftedness can fool you. Okay, Giftedness will fool you. Anointing doesn't fool anybody. You know, my dad used to tell me, you know, o Roberts had the saying, you know when you're anointed, and you know when you're not. You know when something's on you, and you know when it's not. You know when something is poured upon you, and you know when it's not. You can't fake anointing. Anointing is consecration. Either you do it or you don't. It's part of the details of, of the anointing of God. It's part of the plan. It's part of pouring, having something poured on you. It's part of receiving a grace from God because you've submitted yourself to Him. So the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks yokes. It's a an an- strong anointing that breaks strong sicknesses and diseases. 1 John 2.20 says this, But you have an anointing of the Holy One. Again, who's the Holy One? That's the Messiah. That's that root word for anointing, Messiah. That's Him. Because the Holy One, we are anointed. That means we are empowered. We have purpose. We have reasons. There's something on our lives. There's oil on us. Watch this. I like what John chapter, James chapter 5, 5 verse 14 through 18 says, If any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. Why? Because you cannot separate oil from power of the Spirit. You, you don't do that many of many of the you know especially in the catholics they have the last rites they anoint them with oil the last rites okay they're saying goodbye this is not what james says it's it's actually saying you anoint them with oil and you say hello not goodbye but hello you anoint him with all in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven him. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man of nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three days, for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruits. So what's he saying? Consecration. Okay. The prayers of the righteous. Who are the right? Those that have committed themselves towards God. Those that made their vows. Those that keep their vows. Those that Those that walk the high road of holiness. Anointing. Flows. The Spirit of God moves in those type of prayers. So the prayer for the sick, James chapter uh, 5, 14, He says, if anyone's sick, If anyone's sick, Let him call the elders of the church and let them anoint him with oil. Oil is important. Oil is important. Now, there's, there's a man by the name of John G. Lake, and I'm going to, read a, I'm going to give you an excerpt from, from uh, God's Generals written by uh, Robert uh, Lairdon. It's a great book to read on men of God that, that were powerful men of faith, uh, documented miracles, documented moves of God. You know, it's easy to sit there and say, well, God didn't do this because that, that, that's a dime a dozen. That's a dime a dozen. Because there's certain things that must be, you know, there's boxes that must be checked along the way in the, in, the, uh, in the anointing, consecration, holiness, righteousness. We see it all through scriptures. The elevation of life. Watch this. This is John G. Lake. Okay. I said to the scientists, gentlemen, I want you to see one more thing. Go down in your hospital, bring back a man who has inflammation in the bone. Take your instrument and attach it to his leg. Leave enough space so that I could get my hand on his leg. You can attach it both sides. When the instrument was ready, I put my hand on the man's shin and prayed like like Mother Edder prays. No strange prayer, but the cry of my heart to God. I said, God Kill the devilish disease by your power. Let the spirit move in him. Let it live in him. Then I asked, gentlemen, what is taking place? They replied, every cell is responding. So now you have something here where a man lays his hands. John G. Lake okay, lays his hands on a on a sick man. And all of a sudden his body begins to respond. This is what the doctors are saying. So now we have. Fervent prayer. Righteous. Now. Years later. There's a there's a plague in Africa. There's a plague in Africa. They're actually. Uh, John G. Lake. Is actually. Uh, being asked to go down. And pray for people. Because they're dying like crazy. Watch this. Watch this. It says this, as, as the team landed on African soil in January of 1910, a plague was raging over portions of the nation. In less than a month, one quarter of the entire population died. In fact, the plague was so contagious that the government was offering $1,000 to any nurse who would care for the sick. Lake and his assistant went to help, help free of charge, He and one assistant would go in the house, bring out the dead, bury them. But no symptoms of the plague ever touched him. At the height of the horrible plague, a doctor sent for Lake and asked him, What have you been doing to protect yourself? You have a secret. To this Lake responded, Brother, it's the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus I, I believe that just as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit flows in my soul and my body that no germ will ever be attached to itself, itself to me for the spirit of God will kill it. Watch yes. this. Lake then invited the doctor to experiment with him. He asked the doctor to take the foam from the lungs of a dead plague victim and put it under a microscope. The doctor did so and found masses of living germs. Then Lake astounded the people in the room as he told the doctor to spread the deadly foam on his hands and announced that the germ would die. The doctor did so and found that the germs died instantly in Lake's hands. Those who witnessed the experiment stood in amazement as Lake continued to give glory to God, explaining the phenomenon like this, You can fill my hand with them, and I will keep it under the microscope. And... Instead of these germs remaining alive, they will die instantly. The same power constantly flowed through Lake's hands into the bodies of the afflicted, uh, bringing healing to the masses. The lightnings of God blasted all disease and infirmities. When the king of When the queen of Holland requested Lake to pray for her problems with conception, so she could carry a child full term, he sent the queen word. That prayer has been answered. Less than less than a year later, Queen, who had miscarried six previous times, gave birth to her first full-term child, Queen Juliana of Holland. Again, this is not a game. This is the anointing. This is the Bible in action. Whose report are we going to believe? You're anointed. Believe it. It's for your protection. It's for your guidance. It's the will of God that you be anointed and you walk in and you understand it. Remember, the anointing of God is to elevate things. We can anoint things and elevate them to service towards God. We are anointed and elevated in the service of God. We must protect this anointing through consecrated living. Well, God bless you. I pray this blessed your heart. I pray that you you embrace the beautiful anointing on your life. And yes, even Jesus was anointed to heal and do good. God bless you. Walk in faith and embrace the word of God today. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.